Pay no attention to that misdirection, <laughs> listeners. I never played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today, we're getting you ready for the final season of Game of Thrones. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Oh, I forgot to put it in the outline. What'd you forget about? So, instead of listener questions, we have a new segment. It's called, What Are You Learning About Lately? This is a question that we've asked each other since the beginning of our relationship, maybe? It's because we're nerds. Yeah, and it's a good conversation starter for when you don't want to talk about work and everyday stuff, or if you just can't think of anything to talk about. A good thing is, what are you learning about lately? Um, I've been going to an acupuncturist for the last three or four weeks, and so I've been learning a lot about how our lymphatic system works and which organs do what how acupuncture treats those organs and what to eat based on how you're feeling and what your body needs in terms of like Ayurvedic and East Asian medicine. Also how to open up your chi. Let's see, this week in my master's classes, uh, we're learning about leadership and power dynamics and politics and how that plays in large organizations. So That's we had, a fun thing to learn about when we're thinking about Game of Thrones. Ironically, yes. So we had to discuss how we think power plays in effective leadership and how leaders can make sure that they have the power that they need. And my hypothesis on it was, depending on the level of your leadership, dictates whether you need a certain level of power. Because power in itself is has a negative connotation because it's really influencing people to do what you want them to do, but it can be a good thing. It can be towards like your organizational goals, but if you use it for your own purposes, like we see in Game of Thrones, it can have disastrous effects. So I might have to go back into my discussion boards and just relay everything to GOT characters. It was something I was thinking about the other day when you were studying and when we were planning for a future episode about grad school and balancing our reading lives and stuff like that. Because your whole degree right now is leadership and strategy. And I was thinking there's probably a lot of parallels from what you're learning to Game of Thrones. So it's kind of fun to be in that Game of Thrones season while you're studying. It is interesting. And it has been fun. Let's talk about Game of Thrones and getting ready for the final season. So I started reading the Game of Thrones books in 2010. So about a year or so before the first season of the show came out. Mm -hmm. And I had finished the first book before the first season and then had slowly read through them all uh, until the most recent one came out in, I think, 2013 or something like that. But I've read through them twice, everything, and that's an achievement in and of itself because they're huge books. That is. And I'm, we're obviously caught up on the show and rewatching the show right now for, to get ready for season eight. Um, what's your relationship with the books? Just so people know what the playing field is. For some reason, I had it in my head that you had read the books way before I did, but they were it was actually pretty close together. Relatively close proximity. So I think you had maybe read the first two, and then you handed the first one to me because we found out it was going to be a show. Mm -hmm. And I think that was maybe... I mean, that was the beginning of our relationship 
pretty early on. So I think it was kind of testing the waters of like, okay, well, this is something I like to read. Maybe you'll like it too. <laughs> Look where we are now. Yeah. Little <laughs> um, did we know it would result in this where we talk into <laughs> microphones and tell people about our reading lives. Um, I read, I think, three of the books. Because you got through Storm of Swords and the Red Wedding and stuff like that, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So you are you got through. And three. I started the fourth one. The fourth one's tough. I couldn't get into it. And I at that point, I had seen enough of the show. The show was starting to outpace me. Mm-hmm. And I just gave up. So we had the first point of discussion is like as readers of the books before watching the show. Well, me more so than that. And how the show is ending before the book series, how we feel about that. And I'm on record as saying that George R. R. Martin is just a... I don't want to be critical of him because he has created this world in which so many people enjoy the characters and enjoy the stories, but he's got to buckle down and just finish these books. Like, it's going on eight years since the last one came out and the show is ending. So he's got to get writing. And it seems like he's always publishing adjacent stuff in the universe like he comes out with like an encyclopedia or a history of the houses while he's writing the last two books because there's still two more books that he's got to write two of them yeah it's a planned seven book series for the song of ice and fire and i love calling it the song of ice and fire because people are just like what is the game of thrones book no game of thrones is the first book (laughs) it's the song of ice and fire series um that's ultimate nerd level i'm just saying song of ice and fire has just that ring to it and you can see the parallels between all of the storylines when you lay it out like yeah it is a really good book series fantasy name but i can understand why game of thrones is a much better tv series name yes well because the show i feel like plays more along the power dynamics and the vying for the throne than like some of the other stuff i feel like that's important for the books but maybe not as much there's so much side plot in the books that i think the power and grab for the throne is maybe at the center but there's so much that spirals out of it that i mean you can get caught in any different storyline and enjoy it just as much i think that's why i didn't like continuing with the series though because once you get into the show, you get invested in that core level of the series that's just about the the main characters and mm-hmm. all of that side plot stuff gets to be a bit much. Well, that's the fun part for me is like when I was rereading stuff is I would pick up more along the side plots and the side characters. So that I think that's why I enjoy the books more just because you can delve in a little bit deeper. And when I was thinking about my favorite storylines, my favorite characters, I really like the way that he has the mismatched duos all, mm-hmm. all the time. So, like, we're in season three for the rewatch right now. And when Jamie and Brienne are off doing their little romp through the countryside, and then Brienne and Pod, Jamie and Bronn, all these characters that you wouldn't see together when you're first introduced to them. And then they have these really interesting story arcs where he puts he puts them together Mm -hmm. which i think is a testament to his writing ability definitely and that's one of your favorite tropes across all genres mismatched duos yes i would say so is buddies like that friendship concept and especially if they're mismatched and there's some sort of sparking chemistry between them Mm -hmm. so which of the books okay how many are out right now there are five okay and i've read through them all twice 
So which you should know which one's your favorite. Storm of Swords is my favorite. So that's the third in the series. It kind of takes place in, right around the where we are in the show, season three and four. Um, and it's got the War of the Five Kings is still going on, but it's not the early stages like it is in book two. Um, it's got the intrigue that I like with the mismatched characters, Jamie and Brienne, um, Jon Snow and Egret with the people beyond the wall. Um, and it, it goes, this is a part that I don't really remember from these books because it's been so long. I don't remember how big a role that Jamie and Bronn have in the books. I think that might just be a show manifestation. It's tough to separate them at this point, isn't it? Yeah. But that's my favorite book mainly for the side plots and then just the main story of, you know, Rob Stark is winning this war against the Lannisters and then throws it all away for love and then the Red Wedding happens. The Red Wedding, as it's written, is one of the like most intense scenes where even as somebody who was familiar with what happened to Ned Stark in book one, because when that happened, I was completely thrown because you go through this whole book and you're like, wait a minute, they killed Ned. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end of book or wherever in book three, the Red Wedding is. And you're just like, what? Who? And that is when I feel the people who had read the books understood about George R. R. Martin that you can't get too attached to characters because yeah. he will find a way to break your soul. Yeah. So, and that's why it was so funny when that moment happened on the show because everybody who had read the books knew what was happening, mm-hmm. had been through that heartbreak, and then was just like, it was as if they were absorbing the anxiety and like reactions from people that hadn't read the books and it was like where all those videos were out on youtube that that was really entertaining for me this is absolutely not a spoiler free discussion because at this point in the game of thrones universe there's just no avoiding spoilers there's a 24 sorry there's a 24 hour rule as our quarterback (laughs) aaron Rodgers likes to say when he's being interviewed about it which is the fun part about game of thrones too is because People in pop culture, people in like movies and sports and everybody on Twitter is so invested that you can see just reactions from a entire audience that spans millions of people and then just the immediate reactions. So that's my favorite thing when the show is on and people are getting interviewed. They're like, hey, man, it's still the 24 hour rule. People have to watch it. Yeah. And then, and then they'll talk about it afterwards. So. Yeah, it's fun. It's become it's its own cultural phenomenon. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite book too, but I also think it's because you really hyped up the Jon Snow Egret relationship I loved to it. me before reading it, and you were like, just wait until you see what happens. So I do think I really liked that book. It makes me kind of sad that the fourth one was so tough to get through for me, but I just don't know if I'll ever go back to it. Well, it got to the point where the story was so vast that he had to split it geographically. Yeah. So that's why four doesn't have all the characters that you love and five doesn't either because they're both happening simultaneously, Mm -hmm. but they're just two different volumes saying around the same storyline, which is a weird way that he had to do it. But it's because he has so many point of view characters, Mm -hmm. which you like because you get to see it from their perspective from a different character that you haven't seen before, but it just needs that many more pages. Like, I don't know how many POV characters are going to be in Winds of Winter, which is going to be the sixth book, but it's got to be unbelievable. That's probably why it's taking him so long to write it, don't you think? Oh, just developing all those different 
lines. Right. I, I think could, just to track everything that he's come up with. Could you imagine the, like the spreadsheet that just goes down with all the POV characters and then the timelines? I would love to just read a book about his writing process and how he does all of that. I'm because sure what that if it's just out. all in his head? That'd be amazing. I mean, we already know he's like genius level brilliant to write such a universe. What I mean, what if it's all in his head and he just keeps everything straight? That's nuts. I can't imagine that. That's or like I, what I can really picture for him is just like notebooks of scribbles that oh, only yeah. he can just understand. Like comp- just like composition <laughs> books that are just like stacked yes. up, or like it's all written in code. <laughs> <laughs> only he can understand it. Did you see Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? Uh, no. It, it was kind of something like that where they're hunting a serial killer and he's just got stacks and stacks on bookshelves of these composition books that are just random journals and codes and stuff like that so that's what i picture but that makes you worried about his fragility and being able to finish the last two because he's not getting any younger he's probably in his 60s 70s he doesn't look a healthy man no but <laughs> not that we're shaming him you just worry that he's not going to finish that's been my concern for years is that he's never going to finish the story yeah. and then you have to be the show and the books have taken on their own lives at this point, which I'd be kind of okay if the books don't finish because he passes, because then we at least have the show. Sure. I'd, I'd be disappointed because we would get the full story finish for the saga, but at least we would have an idea of how it was supposed to end because, right. of, the, because of the show. Plus they're filming three endings, right? Yes. So I kind of feel like something in there is from him. Oh, I, He's worked with the creators yeah. so closely. Um, but do you think maybe it's taking him so long because he's been working on six and seven simultaneously? I hope so. Because with the way that, especially that you were talking about four and five, it seems like it would make sense then if it's so expansive and he has so many characters to track that he's just writing six and seven sort of all together. Yeah. And maybe they'll come out faster in succession. I could see that. And... That would make it a lot easier to stomach waiting maybe 10 years between book releases if that means the year after we get the seventh right. and the conclusion. Because I'll wait two more years to read six if I know that seven's coming out the next year after that. Right. But at this point, because we don't really know, it was like six was supposed to come out in 2016. Like he, yeah. he never wanted the show to outpace his writing and he just got so far behind that it eventually did. Yeah. So that's kind of the weird relationship between it. Can you pick a favorite character? No. (laughs) Like, I really want to say, like, I want to come out and say it's Tyrion just because I love his smart aleck responses and just the way that he's able to play the game. I'd say it's John because of his just righteousness and like wanting to stand up for the cause that he's fighting for. It might be Arya just because I love her arc mm-hmm. like her arc is almost as good as jamie's where we see growth and development over the whole series so what i love about aria is that she goes from this like timid girl that like is can't really do anything for herself and is like wants to be like her brothers and then it becomes this unbelievable assassin yeah that can kill anything i do really enjoy her character arc I, I really like Jamie, though. I feel like his arc is so well developed on both the book, in both the books and on the show. Yeah, I don't think I've ever hated a character so much and 
bounced from that to rooting for him. Right. That's the unbelievable part. As you go, and that's part And it's of, so seamless and natural that you do that. That's part of the reason I love Storm of Swords so much, is because we start to see that development of Jamie becoming more human, and you see the, the crossing point where you're like, okay, he's actually maybe okay. And then by the later on in the series, you actually love him. Yeah. In terms of the books, I think I was always most eager to read what was happening with John. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the TV show, I think I've most enjoyed watching Jamie's character arc. I feel like that's a good representation. And I really, I love Arya, especially because I, you know, my heart is for the female badasses, but (laughs) I don't know that she's my favorite. I think I prefer her in the books to in the show, actually. Well, I'm combining both is, is, is the way that I see it, like... For me, it's about the story arc and the development. Right. Because nobody's the same from the first page to the last page or from episode one to the end of season seven. Right. There's so much change that happens to these people and, well, and how they respond to that. What, a decade or something that's passed? How many years have passed? And you think about how much people change just over the years, but then add in all of the trauma of war and what they've been through it's probably like five or six but i see i get your point for me i I like that there's these characters that have just the development between either that we hate them and then we love them or they change and become so self-sufficient and honestly i love the hound yeah like he's another one with a really great arc yeah i feel like it's these like redemption stories that i really like Mm -hmm. um so do you have a favorite plot line or scene um, I think it's the, probably the unlikely duos that are off on these quests. So I like the whole sequences that have Brienne and Jamie and Brienne with Pod. Brienne always ends up with like the unlikely pairings. So I don't know what that is. I, and it, you know, she's one character that remains so steadfastly herself mm-hmm. that she doesn't really change. Yeah. I mean, she does, but it's not as drastic as any other character. Yeah. And that almost highlights whoever she's with. Right. So I, if I had to pick, I think I would go with Brienne and Pod. Because I love... Yeah, that's funny. I, I love Pod. He's so awkward and, like, interesting as a character. And then it goes up against, like, the straight woman that is Brienne. It's, to me, it's kind of like an Abaddon Costello thing. Where <laughs> she's just, like, the stone-faced being like, Pod, we gotta go over here. And he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you do tend to like the humor in the show. Yes, and it plays f- from the books into the show. Yeah. So, it, you know, I could go with the, like, the John and Egret or... That's probably my favorite because I love a good romance. Yeah, and that's probably the best one in the books, I'd say, is those two. It, I would say it's really the only one that's really romantic. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all either, like, marriage for convenience or relationships just for sex. I feel like they have the only true romance of the book does that make sense yeah i'm i'm trying to think if there's a different one what about the hound and his chickens <laughs> <laughs> the man loves his chickens um yeah honestly that might be the only one that's like a legitimate for love that works well it doesn't even work out in the end either but... no but it's i feel like it's the most i don't know it's the most genuine earnest relationship mm-hmm I don't know. All all of the other sort of romantic relationships ring more false, I think. 
I'd agree with that. Well, I mean, when you're comparing it to, you know, incest and marriages for convenience. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's probably no coincidence that that true, meaningful romantic relationship happens beyond the wall with a wildling who is not mired in the politics and isn't torn by loyalties. Right. So they're actually able to truly fall in love with each other for who they are. Yeah. Okay, so we've been re-watching the show. We started season one maybe a month ago? Jan- month and a half ago? January-ish? I don't know. Like we, like we started on schedule with the thing you found on the internet that said <laughs> if you watch it on this timeline, you'll be able to make it before April 14th. Yeah. Um, and we've just kind of been watching one or two episodes every other night or so. Mm-hmm sometimes more on the weekend. Um, how has the rewatching experience been, especially for someone who has read the books twice through? Well, this would be my only second time through the show, which right. is, I feel like it's always better the second time whenever you're talking about a movie or a <laughs> show. This is, this is so you. I'm just saying. Like, I know. I, I pick up more... On a lot of the subtleties and there's like hints to the audience and a little bit of foreshadowing you pick on that stuff after you've been through the show oh of course which makes it a little bit more enjoyable because there's little nuggets that they're throwing in everywhere Mm -hmm. like because you're not seeing it for the first time and being like who's that guy again who are these why are we and And there's a lot of that with this show exactly so i feel like it's been interesting to go through I just like seeing the progression of the show and the amount of risks that they take. Like season one is very, it's it's not tame, but they are they're limited in what they can do. And then we go all the way to upcoming season eight, like the trailer that just dropped. The CGI is on a. They spent com- more on that trailer than they did all of season one and a half. <laughs> it's on a completely different level, like what these are able to do with these dragons, and the battle scenes, like. I'm sure it's going to be the final battle um, was shot over 11 weeks and is going to be the longest consecutive battle scene in history. Wow. So it's, they're pulling out all the stops for this last season, which is going to be, I feel like it's the right way to do it because it's going to be six episodes feature length. So they're going to be able to tell the full story that they want, even though it's only a short episodes. Well, that's not, it's not, well, I meant a short season. Fewer episodes, but basically movies. Yeah. So I don't have the videographic memory that you do, where it's like if you watch something on video, you remember it forever. Which is a nice thing to have. Um, I don't think I have the attention span for that, but (laughs) (laughs) so I still find myself sometimes asking you questions, but I also just think you have such a depth of knowledge of the universe because you've read the books multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, so I still end up turning and asking you some questions for stuff that I don't remember, but I am really enjoying it maybe even more so on this second watch, which is unusual for me. Yeah, it's fun. It's making me more excited for the final season. Mm-hmm. I think watching it is like, you see like the subtle parts where I think it was in this last season that we were in season two, they're like, hey, we need help on the wall. And then people are like, ah, oh, the wall will figure it out. We won't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like, guys, there's literally millions of dead people yeah. coming to kill you. <laughs> Just get yourself figured out. I would highly recommend rewatching to anyone who is going to watch the final season and hasn't started rewatching yet. It's oh, not too late. Oh, yeah. We're getting there. Like, 
I don't think it's too late to do a rewatch. Seven seasons in a month will be tough, but I think that if people buckle down and take it head on, they could probably do it. Rewatching hasn't necessarily been just for remembering everything before watching the final season. It's to get reinvested in the characters because it has been a while since watching season seven. Yeah. And I'm honestly glad that my books are packed up because I would be tempted to read them again. Totally. Oh, I can totally imagine you doing that. So I'm glad that that has been removed and is not (laughs) in part of the equation. (laughs) Because it's going to be tough enough for us to actually get through all of the seasons. Because we're moving, guys. We'll tell you more later. Guess we're moving. Like after we move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think really for me it's been being reinvested in the characters so that I care more when we watch season eight, which maybe maybe that's a really bad idea, actually. (laughs) Never mind, scrap that. Go into season eight cold and dead like the White Walkers. We want the emotional connection. (laughs) We crave the emotional connection because then when it is snatched from us, we get hurt. It's so bad. We have some other recommendations, either if you really don't have enough time to rewatch all seven seasons, or if you just want to supplement, or if you've already been rewatching, but you want some more. So Jonathan Van Ness of Queer Eye fame from Netflix. Before Queer Eye, he was doing a show on, what's the website that he did that on? Funny or Die. Okay. Funny or Die, and it's Gay of Thrones, and it's him. He is a hairdresser by trade, and so it's him, usually famous people, right? Uh, I think it's randos for the first couple seasons. And, and then, then he gets more famous people. He gets people. more famous people. And he's, like, doing their hair, and as he's doing, like, their hairdresser talk, their salon chat is about the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. And so it kind of turns into this wonderful, delightful Jonathan, than Van Ness sense of humor Game of Thrones recap and it's just really fun I think he actually gets a couple of people from the show into his chair he won an Emmy for it or something like that he did yeah no that was a thing so I'm pretty sure he won some kind of award for it so anyway if you like Game of Thrones and you like Queer Eye I highly recommend those recaps I think in terms of reading, Vulture does the best show recap. It's probably just as fun to go on BuzzFeed and read all the memes from after each episode. <laughs> That's honestly my f- preferred <laughs> method. Like in the season seven finale when Tormund like is on the wall yeah. when the wall comes down and there's like people with shovels being like, Tormund! Tormund! <laughs> Which was honestly my favorite part of the season eight trailer is we get the confirmation that Tormund survives. Thank goodness. And <laughs> For now. Yeah. And he's with the Brothers Without Banners, which is another weird connection. I guess that's another thing. Um, Watch the season eight trailer, but then also I really liked that recap analysis that we watched from Watch Mojo. Yes. Watch Mojo does a lot of really good Game of Thrones content in recaps, like things that you might have missed. They'll usually do like a top five list of things to like glean from an episode which they might have to expand because these are going to be feature length for season eight. Yeah, maybe top 10. Yeah, but I do, and it's not like they haven't done top 10. Sure. They do top 10s all the time. Um, but if, you, if you're unfamiliar with Mach Mojo, they're like a pop culture list manufacturer. Well, with a nerdy focus? Yeah, I'd say their focus is more they're on They're a YouTube content. channel. Yeah, but they're like pop culture, video games, that type of stuff. So if you're... If you are on YouTube as much as I am and like watching recaps of Game of Thrones, they break it down kind of in about 10 minute segments being like, hey, this is the stuff that you might have missed from the episode. 
Okay, so we've got things to watch, things to read. If you are a listener and you want some really good recaps, the podcast Nerdette recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I love Peter Sagal. From Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Those recap episodes are delightful because I just think it's the perfect mix of personalities. Curtis, I think you would like them because it's unlikely people put together in podcast episodes. Well, you wouldn't think that Peter Sagal would be on a Nerdette podcast. You wouldn't think so, but it's magical. It's really good. So um, I think I might listen. I don't think I listened to them recap season seven, so I might go back and listen after we watch it. That'd be fun. And then I'll probably listen to them as we're watching season eight. If you do want to go back to the beginning and read Game of Thrones, I've heard that the audiobook versions are really, really good. And our sponsor for this week would be a great place to go to get those audiobooks. Libro FM is the audiobook subscription service that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. And you can select which independent bookstore to support. So you can support your local bookstore or just one that you love from your travels. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know which one we're talking about. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out their recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of the He Read, She Read podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And get this, it is the same monthly price as the other company. You know the company that we are talking about. We've made the switch to Libro FM, and we hope you will too. Go to Libro FM, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or you can go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting your local bookstore. Let's talk about book recommendations. What? But first, I have a question for you. Wait on. Because you have read through Game of Thrones series twice how many times have we said that you've read it through twice i feel like one or two more mentions just to <laughs> to rub it in yeah the, the enneag- rub in your accomplishment the enneagram three in me is just like yes give me <laughs> give me all of this praise i want a ribbon that says game of thrones read twice through <laughs> this is something that i've observed from just being sort of tapped into the publishing world a little bit more with bookstagram and working with publishers, it seems like every time a new fantasy series comes out, it gets compared to Game of Thrones. Is Game of Thrones really that different from other fantasy series? Or is it just that it's the big name in fantasy that people recognize, so publishers are maybe crossing their fingers that non-fantasy fans will see Game of Thrones and pick up a book? I honestly think it's that good. Okay. And it's... Not me just saying that as a fan. I think the unique aspect of it is he might have been the first author in like the high fantasy realm to really devote as much time and effort as he did to building his world in the way that he did. But it's not just, you know, the geography. It's the language, the people, the political intrigue, religion with all those aspects. And 
I feel like he does a much better job of that than any other author before him. Because we're talking like 1991, or sorry, 1996 when Game of Thrones came out. And so there's still a lot of good sci-fi fantasy that originated before then. You can think of like The Once and Future King, which is kind of based on Arthurian um, legends and stuff like that. So it's, it isn't the first sword and sandals type of thing. I just feel like he was the first one to really put you into his world like he did and build it up to where you can see all those different components. Like people like Game of Thrones for a bunch of different reasons. They like the political intrigue. They like the battles. They like the romances that we've kind of already said are only just one. (laughs) But there's something for everybody. I mean, I kind of agree with you that maybe he was one of the first to do such a good job of all of that. But there are other series that have come out since. Even series that you love, is it just that he's the big name that everybody recognizes? I mean, even before the show came out, he was that big name in the genre. In the book world. Yeah. But now that the show is out, it's just tenfold. Sure. Because of the way that it's been embraced by pop culture. So granted, there's other authors that have done the same thing that he has because of the way that the show has impacted pop culture and been embraced by a wide audience. I feel like that's the reason that it gets compared to so many people, because it it isn't just about writing the books anymore. It's about can you be marketable for a television adaptation or a movie and stuff like that. So I feel like that's why everything gets compared to Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's all marketing. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't mean that people aren't doing as good of jobs. It just means that now there's more emphasis on creating your world and making your readers invest in that world. Like I've said on this show multiple times, there's the fantasy series that I'm really involved in are ones that devote a lot of attention to world building. And I feel like that's a renewed emphasis because of George R. R. Martin. I just wonder if it does a disservice to fantasy writers because fantasy is such a diverse genre. I mean, you could look at whether N.K. Jemisin's books, where she devotes so much time to building her world. Yeah. If that's an influence from George R. R. Martin. And it very well could be. And I do think people, I think books have been compared to hers as well. I think she gets in... She's definitely in that conversation of like top notch, the ultimate fantasy writers. She's in that group with George. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just bring it up because I think it's something to think about as fantasy seems to be becoming more popular. It's not just for like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons nerds anymore. Like, it's not perceived as that because of game of thrones the show i think pay no attention to that misdirection <laughs> listeners i never played dungeons and dragons but but you know what i mean like i think fantasy is i don't know maybe it's becoming more cool to like it oh for sure but i feel like that's just because it's invaded pop culture let's just give a few recommendations for people because this is the final season of Game of Thrones. They might be left with a big giant hole in their heart after, not just because their favorite character dies, but because they miss the show. Well, don't tell so... people that their favorite characters are going to die. <laughs> well, chances are, yeah. you know, okay, so it's so hard to pick a favorite character. Because you don't want Almost to everybody die. has multiple favorites. Chances are somebody we love is going to die. <laughs> You're so morbid. <laughs> the people you the people you love are going to die. I feel like you said the same thing earlier in the episode. Yeah, I probably did. But we we love that pain though. 
I don't. <laughs> Those of us that have emotions and souls that connect with these characters are like, we need that pain. I have a lot of emotions, but I'm an Enneagram 9, so I keep them all buried and numb. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's how I like it. Um, anyway, I thought we should give some recommendations, not comparing these books to Game of Thrones. These are not Game of Thrones read-alikes, but sort of a good path to go on if you enjoyed the show if you're looking for some more fantasy where you've got really great characters and um the plot line sucks you in and good world building so do you have some recommendations well i pulled a couple of lists from book riot which we'll put in the show notes that did a good job of kind of putting this out there for people so one of them is it kind of breaks it down where if you like these aspects of Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones, then you'll like this book. So I thought that that was interesting. One of them is if you're really into the dragons, it's His Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik. So it's part of her Temeraire series, which is historical fiction based in the Napoleonic Wars, but imagines that the British army has dragons as an air force. Ooh. Right? That's oh, an... I've heard of that one. You've heard of and that? And I've marked it as something I'd like to read. Yeah. So apparently it's a series and is fast-paced and appropriate for YA readers as well. Well, that makes me even more intrigued because I tend to like YA fantasy better than high fantasy. Yeah. Um, If you're into more of the high fantasy, you know, we've mentioned it to death. Theft of Swords, Name of the Wind, that type of stuff all still plays. N.K. Jemisin's Broken Earth has been brought up so much for the way that she builds that world. And then it also has kind of like the sorcery aspects of kind of you know bran and the three-eyed raven and that sort of stuff um another one that was kind of weird that on this list that i kind of have you ever read the other boleyn girl uh oh yeah Yeah. like way back yeah maybe eighth grade or something so they brought this one on the list because of the political intrigue and the scheming Uh of how that all plays into like the the court intrigue and the politics no that's a great recommendation actually and maybe that's why i like game of thrones so much is i went through a real royals phase in middle school (laughs) so the other bullion girl might have been a little bit adult for me but i kind of read through all of the royal diaries series and the carolyn meyer books and Mm -hmm. so um i really liked the henry the eighth sort of era and queen elizabeth and all of that so um yeah that's a Really good recommendation. Nice job, Book Riot. Um, And then I think the last one that I would mention is... Oh, so this one has been in my Amazon wishlist for a while, and I don't really know that much about it, but how would you pronounce that? Acacia. There you go. Um, By David Anthony Durham. So it's a three-book series, and the way that they kind of tease it is if you like the Ned stark relationship where you have kind of this honorable father figure in a high fantasy realm then this one would be a good one where they've got hold on i'm kind of reading through so it's got the family dynamics kind of like the starks and they've got an other like threat that's on the other side of their borders that's possibly gonna move over and they're trying to get this king who's the paternal figure and displace him from the throne so it's got the political complications moral ambiguity that type of stuff Do you have any other recommendations that you wanted to bring up? There are two books that I would really like to read soon, and they're both about dragons. So (laughs) 
<laughs> Guys, if you like dragons, we got recommendations. Yeah. And actually, one of my favorite books when I was a kid was Aragon, that dragon book. Did you like the movie? Huh? There's There was an Aragon movie. I don't think I ever saw it. I heard it wasn't that good. Oh, well, I'm not going to bother then, but I really liked that book. Nerd. There was also a Cornelia Funk book about Dragon Rider, that one. Okay. I don't... This is only coming up now that I'm talking about dragons on the podcast. This is like from the vault of childhood. I, I didn't remember that I liked dragons for a while. Well, somebody over Christmas said we needed to watch How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I guess those are had, cute movies. Yeah, never, never seen, seen them. Either. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's what we'll watch right after Game of Thrones. When we need something. We need a feel good movie. Palette cleansers. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so the first book is A Natural History of Dragons, a memoir by Lady Trent. And it's written as a memoir, but it's a fake memoir. So the book is actually by Marie Brennan, but she's writing as Lady Trent, writing a memoir about being an archaeologist and natural historian and stuff. So it's like a dream within a dream. Sure. Okay. Um, It sounds really good. It's got really great reviews. And there are three books in the series, I believe. So that's something I'm really interested in picking up because I love memoir and I love history. And then Heartstone by Elle or Ellie, I don't know which, Elle Catherine White. It is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, but with dragons and fantasy. Intriguing. Yeah, I actually thought... That could be a really fun buddy read because it combines your love of the high fantasy elements with my love of Pride and Prejudice. And that could be a super fun crossover. Could be. We might have to have people vote on our buddy read for April because there are are (laughs) kind of a couple in contention right now. Give the people what they want. (laughs) What is your recommendation of the week? So in the vein of how to enjoy Game of Thrones better game of thrones has released these signature collections with these famous whiskey makers based on all the houses of westeros and the night's watch so i picked up the johnny walker white walker when it first came out which was the first one um you actually put the bottle in the freezer and then parts of the label like pop up that weren't visible before somebody in the family um got me the night's watch edition which has the oath on the bottle and on the case so i'll be saving that until april 14th and then cracking that open to enjoy the new season yeah it's pretty cool so i didn't read much about the whiskeys but i know you did are the flavors corresponding to the houses somehow somehow yeah so it all connects with like the palette that you like in your whiskeys like i'm more a fan of the smoky and that type of taste so that's why i like the night's watch is more of a oak smoky flavor um and then they tie in with the other houses um like i think the lannisters is a lagavulin which is another one that i'm a big fan of but it's more like a fancy coastal type of whiskey what's so, what, what's your recommendation this week my recommendation is on the come up by angie thomas i knew you would finally get to it it's really good. I'm not finished with it yet, just because I've been doing a lot of reading for grad school. Um, I wish that I could sit down and just finish it in one sitting. I guess I could stay up like all night and read it, but <laughs> I love sleep too much. So um, it's absolutely amazing. I think I like it just as much, if not even more than The Hate You Give. Ooh, okay. It's so good. I definitely love Brie 
just as much as I love Star, if not a little bit more. All right. If you're listening to this and you haven't started rewatching Game of Thrones, get on it. Get after it. Come on. You only got a month to go. Um, for everybody else that's not turning this off and going to watch Game of Thrones, we appreciate you subscribing <laughs> and sharing He Read, She Read. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. Those written reviews make a huge difference in reaching listeners and they brighten our day. Reminder that our buddy read for this month is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and that episode will air March 26th. You can connect with us via social media or email, Twitter and Instagram, we're at He Read, She Read, or you can email us, He Read, She Read podcast at gmail.com with any questions or if you want to interact with us about an episode. Thank you for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together at times finishes each other's sentences. Where are my dragons? Yes! Yes!